when you say you're going to do something, where you do it. Where you say you're going to be somewhere, you, you're there. And, and you know what? We make a lot of excuses, gentlemen. We make a lot of excuses. We need to be, I want to be a man of my word. I don't want to be a liar. I want to be a man that's honest. I want to be a man that when I make mistakes, I can admit them. That's a hard thing for me. That's a real hard thing. I mean, I have a hard time admitting when I'm wrong. You know, I just, I just confess my sins. I do. It's a hard time. That's my wife. She's right most of the time. And I have a hard time with it. It's truth. <laughs> Integrity. Having integrity is being able to admit your failures, admit you make mistakes. Tony, Jun- Tony Dungy said this. He was a head coach of the unit of the Indianapolis Colts. He also was a coach of the Broncos for a number of years. Christian, man of God, lots of, uh, you know, he's got, he won um, Super Bowls and stuff. And this is what he says. He says, Integrity doesn't come in degrees, low, medium, and high. You either have it or you don't. You either have it or you don't have it. There's no middle ground. If you kind of have integrity, you really don't. (laughs) Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If. We don't give up, friends. Don't go weary in doing good. But man, everybody around me is doing bad. Don't grow weary in doing the right thing. Come on, you're going to reap a harvest. That's a, that is an awesome thing to think. You will be rewarded for doing the right thing. And let me tell you this. Friends, doing the right thing isn't always the easy thing. Usually doing the right thing is the hard thing. Like being honest on your taxes. Or having to refile your taxes when you realize that, that somebody else screwed up on your taxes. And then you have to fork out $800 for their screw-up. Been there, done that. That's what? Being a man of integrity? But the, I could have went ahead and said, but you know, the, Uncle Sam already has all my money and blah, blah, blah. And they should have... No. No. How can I be honest with myself? How can I be honest how can I be honest? If I can't be honest with my, with my own finances, how am I going to be honest with God's stuff? Come on, someone. <laughs> A few more verses here, because this is good stuff. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, <laughs> do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God, the Father, through Him. So friends, whatever you're doing it, doing it for God. You're not doing it for a pat on the back. You're not doing it for a brownie point. You're not doing it for an attaboy. Those are nice. But friends, you're doing it as you're doing it unto God. You're doing it for Him. You're doing it with Him. Do it in His name. And when you involve God in everything you do, it makes it a lot harder to do bad stuff. (laughs) When, Jesus, when you know Jesus is present, it's a lot harder to, 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 to flip to that website. 
When, when you know Jesus is present, it's a lot harder to, to cuss out your coworker. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe that's just me. James chapter 4, verse 17. Man, I read this verse. I'm going to read this verse and have to repent again. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. <laughs> Altar call right now. Everyone that's answer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everybody run. Come on. <laughs> this verse gets me every time. If anyone knows the good they ought to do, I'm not sinning, but what are you supposed to be doing? <laughs> because the stuff you're supposed to be doing, if you are obstinate, if you're disobedient, then James says it's sin. <laughs> I'm not trying to smack anybody honest, man. I'm trying to love you guys. I'm really trying to love on y'all. I'm really trying to love you. But integrity, man, integrity will get us every time. Anytime we talk about integrity, man, that, sh- that, should be, that should be a topic that forever pierces your heart. If it doesn't, then there's something wrong. I mean, you can be, you can be the most inte- uh, you know, integral man of God, but integrity, that should always sharpen you. It should always feel challenged by integrity. Because if you want to be a mighty man, you've got to be a man of integrity, just like David. Number three, we've got two more, friends. Number three, what makes a man mighty? Oh, <laughs> When he can put others first, when he can put others before him, oh. whether that's serving people or adding value to them, preferring others before yourself, friends, there are enough selfish, egotistical men in the world, man, there are a dime a dozen. <laughs> selfish egotistical men are a dime a dozen in this world. You can find them everywhere. But to truly be a mighty man, you got to be a man that truly puts others first. Mighty men live to please God and serve others. They don't live to please others. Some people think that their goal is to please others. It's not. Your goal is not to make other people happy. That's not your goal. You weren't placed on this planet so that you can make other people happy. You were placed on this planet to please the Lord and to serve people. And to serve. Serve and to give. And to give. And to serve. Serving others. And friends, I'm going to go ahead and say it first starts at home. That's that's the best place you can start serving. If you're new to this Christian faith, if you're new to this this thing, and you're like, you know, and I, I really want to be a man of God, I really want to be a person of God. The hardest people to serve are the, those closest to you. That's the best place to do it. Because the scripture says, uh, it says that Jesus, that, that he could do very few miracles in his hometown because a prophet is not recognized, or, you know, he's not honored in his own hometown. Uh, and uh, an old saying, or new saying, or a saying is that familiarity breeds contempt. And so those can be some of the most hardest people, those people, to serve. But let me tell you this. If you can serve them, you can serve anyone. If you can serve the people that are closest to you, you can serve anyone. Most people actually like to serve strangers more because it's easier. (laughs) Because they're the ones 
will say thank you. They appreciate it. You don't get that from my, when you're at home. You don't get appreciation all the time when you're at home. You probably will ever get it. And that's all right. Because you're not doing it for that. We just read the verse. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Starts first at home. Then you know what? Go ahead and you can bring it on into the church. Bring your service into the church. We need servants. We need men and women that are willing to give a little bit of time. And we want to say, I just want to say again, thank you to everyone that serves at Vision Ministries. If you serve uh, at any capacity, thank you so very much. This ministry is built on your service. Right now, it's so awesome. While we're enjoying service and enjoying the presence of the Lord, there are people that are in the back that are serving your kids. There are people that are, that are checking our, our, our building, making sure that no one is creeping around here, checking our, our, our parking lots and making sure that no one's breaking into cars. We got people that were serving up on the worship team. They weren't receiving, they were giving sound room. I mean, w- serving is awesome. Serving empowers others to get closer to God. That's not in my notes, but that's of the Lord. Serving empowers others to get closer to God. That's why we serve. Because it empowers others. And then thirdly, friends, then you can take your service to your workplace and your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be in that order, but I definitely have to say you have to learn to serve your family first. I say the church second because it's just an easy place. There's always opportunity. And then, you know... You can actually practice learning how to serve at church to being a better servant. And then you can take that, then take it to your job and your neighborhood and those type of things. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says, For you are all called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Another translation would say for an opportunity to sin. But through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. It says, And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. Friends, the greatest person in this, in this church is not Josh Hester or Joy Hester or Pastor Earl or, or any of the leaders. The Scripture says, biblically, the greatest in this place is the biggest servant. <laughs> My wife said, that's Pastor Renee. The greatest is the, is the biggest service. So if you want to be great in the kingdom, be the one that doesn't get all the attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. says, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. We are very good at seeking our own good. I'm good at seeking my own good. <laughs> but the scripture says that we aren't to just seek our own good. But seek the good of his neighbor. Or another translation would say, seek the good of others. Seek the good of others. Number four, what makes a man mighty? So friends, what makes a man mighty is, what makes a mighty man is having a heart after God. What makes a man mighty is having integrity. What makes a man mighty is when he puts others first. And then finally, number four, what makes a man mighty is when he knows where the real battle lies. When he knows where the real battle lies, that's what makes him mighty. When he goes to his knees and he prays, the real battle has been waging for centuries for souls, for people. Fighting for ourselves, fighting for our families, friends, fighting against the powers of darkness. 
Friends, we don't win fights with fists and fury. We win them with pleas and petitions. We don't win battles with fists and fury. We win them with pleas and petitions. That means we win them in prayer. You win them by humbling yourself, humbling yourself before your God. What makes a man mighty is when he can stand before the Lord in the authority of Christ, and he can stand against the enemy, Satan and the hordes of hell, when he can stand against sin and wickedness. That's what makes a man mighty. When you can stand in the authority that Christ has given you as a man of God, and you can stand against the devil, and you can stand against sin, and you can stand against wickedness, that's what makes men mighty. That's what makes men mighty. Ephesians chapter 6 says this. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, another translation would say, for we do not wrestle against. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our struggle, it's not against people. We are people, we we have become pieces of the war that's been waging forever. We're just in the middle of it. The war is for you. It's for where you stand. A lot of people stand for a lot of different things, and and, and in the end, they're really standing for nothing. But friends, when you stand for the kingdom of God, when you stand for righteousness, when you stand for the Lord, you're standing for something that's eternal. You're standing for a kingdom that's eternal. America is only 200 years old. Every regime grows and dies. But friends, the scripture says that that's a kingdom that will last forever. For we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's where your battle lies. There's where the battle lies. I believe a lot of people are walking in defeat because they don't know how to fight against the enemy. The only, you've only been given one weapon, friends. The rest is all, is all defensive. When you read, in, you read in Ephesians chapter 6, when he's talking about the full armor of God, he breaks down each part. I don't have time to do all that. But the one offensive weapon, which is what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the only thing that you can use to actually attack against the enemy. The enemy will always be attacking you. You don't have to put up a good defense if you're putting up an awesome offense. (laughs) If you're knocking his block off, you don't have to worry about blocking punches. It's the same in our spiritual walk. If you are attacking, if you're praying and pushing that stuff back, come on, when you wake up in the morning and you're pushing back the spiritual forces that are at war against your family, come on, someone. Then you are actually pushing against him. You know what? You'll find your house having a lot more peace when you fight the battle where it starts, where it's supposed to be. If you wonder why in your house there's all this hostility, if you, in your house, if you find out that, that, that you uh, live in a place that, that has uh, chaos, <laughs> that, that has strife, 
It's because it's, it's the spiritual warfare that you have given into. Fight that thing on your knees and I guarantee you peace will come into your home. <laughs> when you push back the enemy, the scripture says, submit then to God, resist the devil, he will flee. He can't stay. He can't stay. A mighty man knows where the, battle, where the real battle lies. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 says this. It says, This commandment I trust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previous, previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and good conscience. And he says, Which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. What's the good fight? The good fight is this fight of faith. It's this fight of faith. It's the fight for you. Fight the good fight. That doesn't mean sit back and watch the good fight happen all around you. <laughs> if you have considered, if you have uh, considered yourself a Christian, you've call, you called yourself a follower of Christ, then friends, you've been enlisted in the battle. Last verse. Zechariah chapter four verse six says this. Then he said to me, "This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying." Not by might, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Friends, you win battles not by might or power, though he can empower you, but it's by the spirit. It's by the spirit of God. The real battle is in the spirit. Most of us are, are, are still fighting the battle in the flesh. That person at your job is not your enemy. The person, that neighbor that, that drives you crazy is not your enemy. <laughs> the person that cusses you out and cut, cuts you off and gives you the finger because for some reason you're going slower than they think you should go is not the enemy. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to get stoned. Friends, the Taliban is not your enemy. It's the spirit that's behind. It's the spirit that's behind the people. That's the real fight. And the only way that that battle is won is not going to be with muscles. It's not going to be with metal. The way those battles are going to be won is by prayer warriors and men standing in prayer. Prayer can shake a nation. We need men of God who will rise up to be mighty men who will have integrity, who will put others first, who will have a heart after God, and who will be willing to fight the battle, the real battle, where, it, where it's at. Would you stand your feet with me today? I want to give men an opportunity to respond to the Lord today. Because I believe this whole month we're going to be talking about mighty men and I believe the Lord is calling us up. He's calling us up. He's calling us up. Let's pray. God, we thank you, God. That you've given us this, this honor and privilege, God. 
to be in your house. And God, we understand that the battle is within. God, the battle is is the unseen battle, the one that we don't see with our own eyes. Scripture is clear about that. If you in here would say, I want to be a mighty man of God. I want to be a mighty man. I want to be a man that when the Lord sees me, He would say, that is a mighty man. Would you slip your hand up? Thank you for all those hands. I'm going to ask you to do something else. If you've slipped your hand up, would you do me a favor? Would you come up here? This is the altar. This is a place where we spend some time with God. If you're courageous enough to raise your hand, would you slip on out of your seat and come up here and take a stand? (laughs) It's not a magic formula, but there's something supernatural when there's a physical action attributed to faith. For example, when Jesus, when He healed the, the, the lepers... He told them, now go show yourself to the priest. What did he do? He had them do an act of obedience after the supernatural miracle. And so me asking you to come and respond is just an act of obedience out of a faith that you're decreeing and declaring today. We're going to have some of our pastors, some of our men praying with you guys today. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for responding to the Lord. And women of God, thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your sacrifice. Continue fighting this fight, ladies. (laughs) Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity. Of standing before you. God, you want to raise up us as men. You want to raise us up as men of integrity. Lord, I thank you that, Lord Jesus, character would be something that would be developed in each and every one of our hearts. God, that we would be honest. God, that we would be truthful. God, I thank you that we would be trustworthy. Help us to be men of our word. God, help us to be men that, that, God, that we do not compromise our values. God, I thank you that, Lord, that you would raise us up as mighty warriors. The scripture said when, when, when the angel came to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I declare to you today, friends, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. We're going to take some time, and we're going to bless and speak blessing over our men over here uh, that have responded up here. And so, if you could just give us a few moments, and then I'm going to go ahead and I'll speak a general blessing over you. And then, friends, afterwards, we do have an agape feast downstairs. But if you could just stick, uh, stay tight just for a little bit, that would be awesome.
Ladies, you're not left out. I'm going to go ahead and pray a blessing over you. Does that sound good? Why don't you just go ahead and stand your feet and just go ahead and receive this blessing. Take it. Receive it. Take it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. It's a good one. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face on unto you. May he give you peace. May the Lord prosper you. May he be with you wherever you go. May he illuminate the pathway that he's lighting before you. And may you have courage to walk uprightly as a woman of God. In Jesus' mighty name. And all the saints said together, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Friends, thank you for joining with us today. It's an honor to have you with us. I hope you uh, have come hungry because we do have our agape feast. And it's happening in about 40 minutes. God bless you. Hey, Mama.